me to the book of Nehemiah. Amen. Thankful that a pastor would trust me while he is gone. Amen. To teach again during the first night of Missouri Youth Convention 2019. What an honor. Amen. What an honor. It is an honor, amen, to be teaching at the Lighthouse. This is a church that is rich in the Word of God and in folks that are very capable to teach the Word of God, amen, and I'm privileged to be asked once in a while to be one of those. And thank you, as Brother Buford said, for your response to the Word of God. You'll be a Nehemiah, and I'm coming to join you, but first I want to read 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Now, you'll want to immediately think about that in the, um, from the perspective of the gifts of the Spirit, amen, and the gifts to the church. But I want you to think about this. We are a body of individuals, amen. We are a body of individuals. The book of Nehemiah, uh, I'm going to be going through several chapters there. Uh, I'm, I think I lied to you the last time I preached and said I'm going to be quick, and I went 59 minutes. I'm not going to go 59 minutes tonight, so everybody relax. I'm not going to tell you how long I'm going to go because I'm going to say what I want, what needs to be said, amen. But uh, I'm not going to lie to you this time, amen. I promise you that. And Sister Julie rolled her eyes. I, I felt it. I felt it. Amen. I'm going to talk to you in the book of Nehemiah because I'm going to be honest with you. Uh when we are trying to accomplish things, amen, in our Christian walk, both as a church and as individuals, amen, there is going to come opposition to those efforts, amen? There are going to be times and there are going to be times when we as a church and we as individuals see something that needs to be done, something that needs to be taken care of. We have uh, heard phrases in the Bible for such a cause as this, for such a time as this. Uh, and David asked, is there not a cause? We have seen folks ask those questions, amen. And to be honest with you, regardless of what you are involved in, amen, or what you endeavor to do in your life, praise the Lord, just about every morning, Brother Buford, we have to get up again and decide in and of ourselves, amen, and with the, the power that worketh in us that there is a cause, Amen? That there is something that needs to be done. Amen? There is not a day that goes by that we do not have a task in the Lord. Amen? Can I get an amen? Praise the Lord. So I'm just going to start. I don't have a lot of scriptures to read. Amen? I'm just going to get started. We are going to be in Nehemiah chapter 1, and I, you, know, you can try to follow along with me. But I want to teach to you, I want to encourage you. My title tonight is we need builders who will fight and fighters who will build. Amen? Builders who will fight, and fighters who will build. The word of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, it came to pass in the month Cheslev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of the brethren, came, see, I said all that like I knew what I was saying, didn't I? Came with, <laughs> some of you thought, he's already talking in tongues. Amen. Amen. The Lord blessed me, and I made it through that first sentence. And Hanani, one of the brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great, say, distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. 
this is a, a time after the captivity, amen, and, and, and I'm not going to go through all the captivities that they have been through or who they were uh, captive to, amen, that's another Bible study, another time, amen, but they had uh, been uh, held captive by so many folks, amen, during this time over the period of a few hundred years, and now we find this moment where it's after Ezra, and Ezra has been granted permission to rebuild the temple, amen, and now Nehemiah comes along. And Nehemiah notices that there are some things in shambles, that some things uh, just don't seem right. And so he begins to ask those that were around, amen, he began to ask them, what, what is going on with those that escaped and those that have survived the captivity? And he was asking concerning Jerusalem. And, the, and the, the, those that answered him said, the survivors who are left from that captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. Amen. And, and remember, uh, as a child of God, if you will, and as a church, we always have to keep in mind, but as individuals, see, I, what I'm going to teach to you tonight, and I'm not going to keep reminding you, but you can apply it to a church body. You can also apply it to your individual Christian walk. If you have crumbling walls and gates that have been torn down and have not been kept, it's not just a dishonor to the people inside of that city because it is a great dishonor to them. It is a dishonor to the God of those people in that city. What Nehemiah was seeing was a wall that was laying in crumbles and there was debris everywhere and gates that were swinging that had been burned, amen, to the ground. Some of them were even off of their hinges, amen. And he was seeing this and the trouble that came to him was because that image that he saw was an image of dishonor to a great and mighty and powerful God. He was seeing an image of dishonor, amen. We have got to be careful, and I'm not talking about walls that we put up that, that trap us in or that try to keep things out. I'm not talking about that kind of wall, amen. But there are foundations that have been set, amen, and they have been placed there by biblical doctrine and by Bible prophecy, and they have been put there by the will and the purpose and the plan of God. And we cannot, as individuals or as a church, as Christianity, amen, as a whole, we cannot not allow those walls to crumble and those gates to be burned if we just allow things to fall apart in our Christian life in our walk with him amen it is a dishonor to him it is a dishonor to those around us amen and we've got to be careful that's why the, the people were described as being in distress and that they were a reproach amen why because they had just kind of allowed things to fall apart it was almost if you will a stamp that was placed on them by the enemy that we have been victorious here that we have we have uh, left their lives in shambles we have left their lives just laying around crumbled amen it's important that we guard the walls that we protect the walls that we stand on the foundations can I just go with this and I'm already getting off of my notes sister Julie I'm sorry but but if, if a house is built on sand amen it cannot stand but if it's built on the solid 
rock of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I'm talking about none other than the word of God. If your house as a Christian is built and your foundation is found in the Holy Scriptures, hallelujah, it cannot be taken down. It will not crumble. It cannot be thwarted by any enemy that might come against your gates. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why? If you're founded in the book, hallelujah, you stand strong. But if your house has been built on sand, when the wind comes and the storm blows and the waters beat against it, hallelujah, you don't have a chance. Amen. That was for free. Nehemiah in verse 4. Praise God. I love this. And, I, and I'm going to talk about these walls. Amen. Because I love what Nehemiah exemplifies. Verse 4, after he got the news, he says, So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Hallelujah. The first thing that Nehemiah did when he recognized that there was a need, when he recognized that there was a breach, when he recognized that there were gaps in the wall, when he recognized that things were crumbling, when he recognized that there was debris all over, when he recognized that the gates were no longer protecting the cities, but that they had been a mockery to them, amen, hallelujah, or a dishonor to them, praise God. The first thing that he did was he sat down and he prayed and he fasted hallelujah you cannot go wrong hallelujah in fact I'm going to tell you this if there needs if there's going to be a revival it means that something was first dead if there's going to be a restoration it means that something was first broke down and the first step to revival and restoration is that we pray and that we fast hallelujah if you're going to have revival if you're going to sustain revival it's going to be through prayer and fasting and finding your founding yourself Amen. On those foundations, those firm foundations of the principles of God. And it's going to be found in a relationship with him. The second thing that he did, amen. And I want you to skip down, if you will, to verse 8 and 9. He said in verse 8, remember, I pray. And now Nehemiah is talking to God. And he says, remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out into the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there. I will bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Amen. Nehemiah had started with prayer and fasting, Sister Buford, and he sat down and he mourned and he was upset about the great dishonor that had been brought to Jerusalem. The first thing he did was pray and fast. But you just skip down a few verses and Nehemiah is already in the word. Hallelujah. He began to say begin to build his foundation in approaching God and approaching the revival and the rebuilding of the wall, amen, based on the words of God. He said, I'm just going to remind you, God, what you said to Moses. And I'm just going to pray that you'll remember, amen, that if we would keep your commandments, if we'd stay in your word, you said that no matter how far we've gone and no matter where we are, that you 
would reach to us and you would gather us and you would bring us into the place where you promised. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you it's in prayer. It's in fasting. And it's in the word of God. Hallelujah. And there's nowhere else to start but right there. There's not a program, not a plan, not an event, not an experience. Amen. That will thwart or overthrow the power of prayer and fasting and the power of the word of God. Man, I just want to teach tonight. I thought I was going to, I wanted to be boring. Reminding God of what he said in his word is not saying he forgot. Hold on a second. I want to explain this because I think some folks feel like when they remind God, or when they're telling God what his word says, because we're supposed to do that, we ought to pray his word, that sometimes when they tell him, well, you remember what you said to me. You remember that your word says, God, I'm standing. What that means is you're not reminding God because you thought he forgot. It's, a, it's an example. It's a, it's a demonstration that, God, I'm counting on your word. That God, my efforts aren't going to do it. My talents aren't going to do it. My gifts aren't going to get it done. My, my, my good speech is not going to do it. My good looks are not going to get it done. Amen. I can go to kings and princes and, and I can go to the lost and the found. I can go wherever I want to go, God. But I'm standing on your word because you said, if I stand on your word, you will gather us together. Hallelujah. So I'm going to encourage you here tonight. If, you, if you're endeavoring to do something for God, I'm going to tell you to start with prayer and fasting hallelujah if you're looking for a little personal revival start with prayer and fasting amen if you're looking to rest restore some things amen whether it be in your mind or your body or your spirit or your family or your work or wherever it might be hallelujah start with prayer and fasting and then remind God if I don't go to the left like you told Joshua if I don't go to the right but if I stay right dead center of your holy scriptures God you said you'd be there with me you'd be on my side You'd fight for me. You'd, you'd accomplish it with me, hallelujah, that I could be victorious regardless of the enemy that I fight. But that's in prayer and fasting, and that's in the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nehemiah started where we ought to start. Prayer, fasting, and the word of God if we want to rebuild it. Go with me, if you will, to Nehemiah chapter 2. And I just want to give you a little bit of an outline of these different chapters, amen. And kind of tell you what went on in them, and it's going to bring us to where we're headed, amen. Nehemiah and Nehemiah chapter 2, and I'm, again, I'm not going to read a bunch of verses to you, amen, because I'm just going to give you that outline, and you'll just have to trust me. If you don't trust me, you go read it for yourself. Please do, amen. Nehemiah chapter 2, he says, amen, that Nehemiah, after figuring out and after talking to God and, and, and telling God, God, I'm going to stand on your word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do things the way you told me to do. He decides now he's got to go to the king, amen, at Aziris. Did I say that right, Brother Buford? Okay. Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes. I like Artaxerxes better. It just rolls off the tongue better. He goes to this king and he tells him, well, he doesn't tell him, I'm sorry. He goes and he's the wine bearer for this king. He brings the king his, his drink. The king notices that when Nehemiah comes, that he's got a sad countenance. 
Amen. And so he asks him, what's going on? What's wrong with you? Obviously, you're not sick, so something else must be wrong. So Nehemiah explains to him, amen, that, uh, that the walls have been torn down and that they've been rebuilding the temple. But you know what? I'd like to go, I'd like to go rebuild those walls and set those gates back up. Amen. Here's something. And I'm just going to throw this in. This is a little bit free. Amen. It is absolutely essential in this life, amen, that we be diligent about not just the work of God, but in our work. That we be good employees, that we be good co-workers, amen. Because, because of the way Nehemiah acted in the, in the court of the king, he received favor with that king. Can I get an amen? That, that king thought, you do such a good job every day, something must be wrong. What can I do for you? Amen. If, you, if you're a good employee, you're a good co-worker, you just do things right in this life, amen, you will receive favor. Can I get an amen? So Nehemiah, amen, expresses his interest to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem, amen. And then toward the end of Nehemiah chapter 2, we find that Nehemiah goes and he inspects the walls, and amen, he also expressed his interest to those that are uh, inside the walls currently, those that were a reproach, those that were in distress. He also expresses to them, amen, that what he is desiring to do in the rebuilding of the walls and also of the gates, amen. I want you to read with me in Nehemiah chapter 2, amen. I may have wrote that down wrong. 29, I put 29 and 30, but it's 19 and 20. But when Sanballat, the, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it, they said, what is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build, but ye have no portion, no right, no memorial in Jerusalem. I love Nehemiah's, amen, attitude toward these gentlemen whenever they start asking him, what, what, what are you doing? And he says, well, I've got permission from the king to come rebuild the walls and start working on the gates. And they said, well, what are you going to do? Because they, they were trying to convince Nehemiah, or they at least thought in their minds, that if you're doing that, there's no way the king has said that you can go and do that. Amen. And they said, what are you going to rebel against the king? And, and the Kiche version is this. It's none of your business. That's what he said to him. You don't have any business here. You don't have any right here. You don't have any memorial here. None of this has anything to do with you. So get stepping. Amen. I got permission from the king. Amen. Oh, I thought you'd receive that even on a Wednesday night. When we decide that we're going to do things for the kingdom of God, we got permission from the king. As long as we're in his will, as long as we're in his word, as long as we're working for him, amen, it does not matter what the enemy comes and says and tries to challenge us. What are you going to do? What right is it of yours? What's your problem? What's, why don't you need to just tell the enemy like Jesus did? It's written. Get behind me. Amen. In other words, it's none of your business. Devil, get to stepping. Amen. And let me tell you what. If some human being wants to come and challenge you for what you're trying to do for God, amen, tell them get to stepping. I'm all right with that too. Amen. It ain't none of their business they have no right they have no memorial they have no business amen trying to tell a child of God what to do in the kingdom of God I'll talk a little bit more about it a little bit Nehemiah 3 I'm going to call Nehemiah 3 
I'm not trying to be blasphemous. Just, just stick with me for a minute. I'm going to call Nehemiah 3 the social media chapter. Can I do that, Brother Buford? Am I? Don't say sure yet. <laughs> he said sure. Eh, don't, just wait. It's the social media chapter. And here's why I call it that. If all we had to go by in the story of Nehemiah, amen, was chapter 3, amen, we would think that the rebuilding of the wall went, went off without a hitch. That it had no problems, no snags, no disagreements, and no setbacks. Why? In, in Nehemiah 3, all it says is so-and-so rebuilt this portion of the wall. So-and-so was stacking rocks that day. This family re rehung the gates and put the gates back up. This group of folks uh, rebuilt or refurbished a gate and put that gate back up. And we got this committee together and we were able to close this breach. And we were able to shut this gap. And we were able to stop this enemy from penetrating. If you just read Nehemiah 3, you would think that everything went off without a hitch. That there were no problems, no disagreements, no snags whatsoever. That nobody, nobody got into it. Nobody butted heads in the, in the drawing room. None of that. Amen. You would think that everything just went just right. Amen. So here's where I'm going to warn you about this. We cannot allow our Christian walk, amen, uh, amen to be experience rich but relationship poor. I think it was Aaron Soto that said that. I'm using his quote. We cannot allow our walk with God to be experience rich and relationship poor. Amen. A life lived in Christ, amen, is not just from experience to experience or event to event, amen. It's not based on programs or fellowship or attendance, amen. A life in Christ isn't just lived. It is lived, say it with me abundantly and is deep rooted in relationship do not amen allow the social media template to become the template for your christian life I, I, we got to preach stuff like this today we got to talk about social media because it forms and it fashions. We were talking about uh, how the, the folks that are growing up now were underneath a president that was indoctrinating a nation, amen, that, that you're weak if you, if you base your, your life on faith. That they considered that a Christian faith or a, a religious faith, if you will, was a crutch, amen. We have to be careful that we don't allow, amen, things like social media to become the template for how we run our families or how we walk our Christian life, amen. It cannot just be a life, amen, a Christian life where we live from highlight to highlight, amen. And when struggle and trial and problem comes, we decide to just keep scrolling or just skip or don't pay attention, amen. I, I, I'm not trying to be trendy or anything like that. I'm just telling you, if we, if we spend so much time on the internet and on social media we can begin amen where we are in a church service and if it's not a highlight moment we just fold our arms and scroll on hallelujah we've got to decide that we're going to check in on Wednesday night on prayer meeting night on Sunday morning on Sunday night on construction weeks hallelujah we've got to decide that we're not going to just be experience rich and relationship poor but rather we are going to get root Amen. In Jesus Christ. We're going to get roots, hallelujah, in the church. We're going to get roots in our families, hallelujah. And we're going to decide that we're going to be present and we're going to be there and we're going to be through it with thick and thin. Amen. 
It's the social media chapter. It's the one that just gives you the highlights. And it doesn't tell you that there were setbacks and that there were struggles and that there were conflicts and that there were things that they had to do. Amen. We've got to be sure that church doesn't just become about the highlights. I'll talk more about it in a minute. See, some of you are getting worried because now, now I'm two pages in. I'm talking about I'm going to talk about it again later. <laughs> Sister Julie. Amen. Nehemiah 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. What we can learn from chapter 4, amen, is if you attempt to accomplish something for Christ and his kingdom, the enemy will oppose you. Nehemiah chapter 4 teaches us that Nehemiah 3 is the highlights. Nehemiah 4 is real church. Can I get an amen? It's real life. It's still building walls. All the folks in Nehemiah 4 were the folks that did the stuff in Nehemiah 3. Am I right? But then it gets real. Amen. So I want, I want to talk to you about that a little bit. Six things, six types of opposition that we can find in Nehemiah chapter 4. Amen. As they were trying to build the wall. Number one, the enemy's anger. A, uh, uh, amen. In, in Nehemiah chapter 4, a secure and independent Jerusalem was a threat, amen, to the hold that Sanibal, that, uh, let me say his name, Sanballat, that Sanballat had on the area. Sanballat and Tobiah had a stronghold on that area. They controlled the trade. They controlled the traveling routes. They controlled all of that. So when they, when they immediately saw that here's Nehemiah in the city of Jerusalem, and he's talking about rebuilding the wall and resetting the gates and, and going to establish Jerusalem again in this area, it was a threat to Sanballat that he was going to lose some territory. He was going to lose a stronghold. He was going to lose his control in that area. Can I tell you this? When you start to want to do right for God amen and get your life right when you start wanting to come to church faithfully when you start wanting to get your prayer life right and your fasting life in order and you're in the word of God and you're trying to reach for folks that are lost you're trying to live right and do right and act right and be right hallelujah I'm here to tell you that the enemy is going to start feeling some of his territory that's going to be threatened hallelujah because he knows good and well that if you start getting right and you start getting well and you start healing spiritually spiritually, hallelujah, then he's going to lose some of that stronghold and he's going to start to lose ground in your life and immediately he's going to be angry about that. Now, I'm not one. You will never catch me, amen, standing up here telling you you ought to worry when the devil gets mad. I'm not that guy. I'm just not that guy. Those of you that know me know that. I don't worry when he gets mad, amen, but it's a fact. When you start doing better, he's going to start working harder, hallelujah. That's not a threat. You know why? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world and I'm not just trying to push buttons or hit points where you'll clap your hands it's a fact it's scripture that I've got someone greater on my side and in my corner amen than is the opposition that's standing across from me in the ring hallelujah he can get mad all he wants he can get upset all he wants amen I refuse to turn back or go back or step down or do less hallelujah I am going to fight amen if he wants to fight pastor talked to us the other night and he said Paul said I don't I don't just beat the air I don't just shadow box you know what Paul was saying if I'm gonna throw a punch it's gonna hit somebody on the button 
Amen? Now, I'm definitely not a brawler. I'm too little. I'm a lightweight. If I try to throw a baseball, I tear my shoulder, let alone I try to throw a punch. But let me tell you something. When it comes to a spiritual fight, amen, I've got the power of the Holy Ghost inside of me. I'm not scared of demons. I'm not scared of devils. I'm not scared of witches and warlocks and wizards or anything else that wants to go boo in the night, amen. And that's not a challenge. That's a fact. See, I I get concerned when I say something like that in Christians. Real Christians, apostolic believers go, well, he don't know what he's going to wake up to tomorrow. You know what I'm going to wake up to? I'm going to wake up to the power, maybe some bacon. But I'm going to wake up to the power of the Holy Ghost still residing and sitting on the throne of my life. I, I need Christians to get empowered by what it is to be a child of the king. Amen. Stop letting the anger of the enemy spook you and and make you jump and go ooh in the night. Get the power of the Holy Ghost in you. Amen. Guess what? Not only the enemy will get mad, some folks will get mad. I was a youth pastor and in the youth ministry for almost 15 years. Do you know how many, and I'm sad to say this, do you know how many parents and family members I saw when their kids started having a better prayer life than they did or started coming to church more than they did they actually got mad about it some of you don't believe that somebody give me a Wednesday night nod if you believe it when you start telling so and so if you if you win a co-worker I've done this too you win a co-worker and they start going to church and they start doing better and they start living a better life and you'll get people go What are you going to church for? Do you know that this is that and this is the other thing? Amen. You would think that they would at least be happy, amen, that they quit doing drugs, quit drinking, quit running around town, quit lying, quit using profanity. But you know what? When the enemy gets, when you start doing right, the enemy's going to get mad. And sometimes the enemy is human beings. All right, I'll move on. Number two, Sister Julie, give me the look. I'll leave you alone. Number two, mockery and sarcasm is going to be another weapon of opposition. Amen. The enemy in Nehemiah would gather close to the building of the walls and mock and make sarcastic comments. If you will, look at it. Uh, Chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria, this is Sanballat, and said, what do, these fee- what do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? And then Tobiah chimes in and says, was, was, uh, and he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. There's going to be mockery and sarcasm, amen. And watch this, that, that, that's going to uh, come from the enemy. And, and what they would do is they would get close to where everybody was working and rebuilding the wall. And they would go, look at these jerks. They're trying to rebuild this wall. Man, if a fox tried to run up this thing, it'd probably collapse down on them. You know, just being sarcastic and mocking them, amen. And, and really trying to rib them and discourage them, amen. Don't allow the voice of the enemy to 
discourage you. Amen? Don't allow it to mock you. Don't allow it to be sarcastic. Because here's what happens. You know where that, you know where that, uh, this, this one would probably come in for you and I? Because I highly doubt that anybody's going to try to just stand close to us and mock us. I mean, they might at work or maybe they do at school, things like that. But here's what happens. That fight happens on the battlefield of our mind. You just let me preach one time and you all sit there nice and quiet and that sarcastic voice of mine will go, boy, you really did a great job with that one, Keith. Amen? That's what happens. Sometimes the enemy comes wading in on the battlefield of our mind and that's where the battle is fought. Amen? If you're working for God, give yourself some grace. Amen? And just keep going at it. Threats and intimidation, number three, threats and intimidation will be used. With permission from the king, amen, I'm not going to try his name again, all Sanballat and the others really could do was threaten and try to intimidate, amen, because Sanballat and the others knew that if he had permission from the king, there was nothing they could do about it, amen, because if they rallied their armies together and decided, you know what, we're going to storm inside those gates and those walls, and we're going to take them out and destroy them, then they would have been on the wrong side of the king, amen. They would have been considered in rebellion. I'm here to tell you, the king is on your side, hallelujah. Don't allow threats, amen, and intimidation, praise God, bring you down. And what does that mean? From the from the, from the the enemy, praise God. We're talking about spiritual things here, spiritual battles, amen, that you're going to have to face in prayer and fasting, amen, and through the word of God. Let me tell you this, if he has given you a promise, if he has given you permission, if he has given you a calling, if he has placed an anointing on your life, do not allow the enemy to intimidate you. Don't allow him to threaten you, amen. If God has empowered you, praise God, he will put you where you need to be to fulfill that promise. Amen. Discouragement and exhaustion. At the beginning of a project or when Amen. We first get saved sometimes. Or maybe even when we realize that God wants us to do something in the kingdom. Praise the Lord. You know what it's like. You got all this enthusiasm. Unfortunately, you ever seen a new convert and they're bouncing around all over the place? And, you know, back in the day when we used to run the aisles and stuff. Amen. There, there was a time where we would say, well, we'll just give them a few months. They'll cool off. That's so wrong. That's so wrong. Amen. It's wrong of us. See, we be, what we become is we become the sand ballots and the Tobias at that point. And we're standing right outside the gate. Ah, don't worry. Don't worry. You realize you're still back on earth. Don't, don't worry. You'll get home. You'll realize it's still a mess. See, what happens is we start with that enthusiasm and that excitement in the beginning. And sometimes it's the beginning of our walk with God. Sometimes it's at the beginning of the fulfillment of a call. God gives us a call. Amen. Anybody ever come down to the altar and just snotted and prayed and poured your heart out? God, I'll do anything. You send me where you want to send me. I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Amen. And we feel the goosebumps and talking tongues and maybe people, uh, amen, get all over us and pray for us and lay hands on us. We feel that power. We feel that calling. We feel that anointing. And when we walk out of here, we feel like we could take on anything. Amen. We don't feel like there's anything could stop us. Praise the Lord. But somewhere along the middle, amen, somewhere along, amen, it's kind of like uh, when Jesus came to the disciples, he said, let's go over to the other side. And there was probably all kinds of enthusiasm to jump in the boat. And let's get in the boat. Come on, Jesus wants us to go, wants us to take him someplace. And then all of a sudden, out in the middle, the storm began to blow, and the wind began to blow, and the storm was rocking, and the waves were crashing, amen. And they thought they were going to die, amen. That 
it's kind of the same thing. But I bet when that storm was over and he calmed that storm and they got two-thirds of the way to the bank and they saw the bank, I bet they got all excited again. See, that's what happens when we start toward the end of that, when God is fulfilling things and we're seeing the puzzle come together and we're seeing the family start to come around and we're seeing all of the, the, uh, the seeds that we have planted and they're starting four years later, amen. I had somebody call the church here recently that said four years ago I worked for them and I told them about the lighthouse and I told them about, amen, the apostolic faith. I couldn't even remember the lady's name. You know what, I just out there throwing seed. You know, that's what I do every day. But here's what happens, amen. We get all excited in that moment, but then when that four years goes by, you forget about it. Or so, so much of time goes by, or struggles, or trials, or disappointments, or discouragements come, amen. And we find ourselves out there in the middle of it, amen. And that's where, praise God, discouragement and exhaustion sets in. Verse 10, i got examples. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. In other words, they, they've started to weaken, amen. And there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. Here they are, chapter 4, in the middle of the project. And they're looking around and the place is still a mess. Anybody ever been there? I'm not talking about building a physical wall. I'm talking about revival. I'm talking about restoration. I'm talking about answering the call of God. And you get out in the middle of it and you realize it's been so long and it's been so hard and I'm still standing in a pile of rubble. How in the world is all of this? And the task starts to become, amen, intimidating. It starts to become overwhelming. And you start thinking, wow, I know where we're supposed to go. I know what, what, we're, what the target is, amen. But there's just so much Here's that four-letter word, work. The W word, work. That's what happens. It's, that's, that's a tool of the enemy. If he can catch you in the middle when you're discouraged and you're exhausted, Sister Sorrels, if he can catch you in the middle when you're discouraged and you're exhausted and he can just... Stick his big toe in the crack of that door. I remember Brother Lumpkin 20 years ago talked about the wedge-shaped tool of discouragement. He said if he could get the tip wedged in that door and just start hammering on it, he could get in that door. Amen. Guard yourself against the discouragement and exhaustion. Here's one, one of the ones I said I was going to talk to you about later. Amen. Uh, number five, negativism. It did not come, this is important. This did not come from Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, none of those neighboring enemies, if you will, none of their neighbors. This negativism came from other Jews, watch this, that were not staying, Brother Harpole, inside the wall. You know where they were living? Close to the enemy. Oh, hallelujah. They were living too close to the enemy. So what they were hearing was when those army or when those leaders in those neighboring towns would get together and they would say, you know what, we're going to let them start building that wall and then we're going to go over there and we're going to slaughter every one of them. You know what we're going to do? We're going to go over there and we're going to do this. And we're going to go over there and we're going to do that. And it was the enemy that was over there breathing these threats and making these proclamations of what it was going to do. If I catch them out walking around by themselves, I'm going to cut them down. If I find them doing something, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. 
I'm going to hurt them any way I can. I'm going to bring them down. I'm going to stop this effort. I'm going to stop them from ever accomplishing it. And what happened is they had some folks that were living so close to them that they overheard those discussions and conversations, amen. And the Bible says, Sister Harpo, that they came back more than ten times. You know what that means? Uh, if, you, if you go look at some of the original interpretations, it says over and over. They just kept coming back and saying, do you know what you're doing? Do you know what's going to happen? Do you know what they want to do to you? Do you know who's talking about you? Do you know what the rumor is? Do you know what the discussions are? Do you know what they are saying about you? Do you know what the enemy is planning to do if you actually pull this off? Do you know what's going to happen if you don't stop, if you don't give up, if you don't lay down, if you don't put the tools away, if you don't stop all the efforts, if you don't throw in the towel, if you don't quit, if you don't ask for a respite, if you don't look for, a, for somebody to bail you out, they're going to come and strike you down. You're going to fail because they're going to see to it, amen. And it was negativism that was coming from folks that were just living outside the walls and too close to the enemy. Here's my advice. Don't let folks walking around in darkness try to describe to you the light. Okay. Don't let somebody that's out living a lie try to tell you how to live the truth. Come on, somebody. If they ain't living the life, if they're not investing in your life, then they don't get to have a say. Remember I told you later we'll talk about it? Tell them, get stepping. Amen? If they don't want to live it, if they want to stay outside those crumbly little walls, if those walls crumbling and the breaches in there and the enemy got to seep in and they jumped on the chance to run out and live outside the walls and close to the enemy, then you let them just have their reward. I wish I could get a Wednesday night amen. amen. Don't allow negativism from those that don't even live it affect your life. Amen. Don't tell me how prayer, don't tell me how prayer don't work if you don't pray. Come on, somebody. Don't tell me how the Bible ain't real if you ain't never read a book, a book or a chapter or a page in it. We got folks that are that are that are theologians on how how wrong the Bible is, amen. <laughs> and never read the Bible. Amen. You can't, you've come too late to tell this guy, amen. I've seen too much. I've experienced too much. My wife will tell you, I've seen the healings. I've been a part of them. I've seen the miracles. I've been a part of them. I've heard the tongues. I've talked in tongues. Amen. I've been baptized, and I know what it felt like when I went down in the water, and I came out in Jesus' name. I know how my life turned around. I know when I was still strung out, Sister Sharon, on drugs and alcohol and tobacco. Amen. I know what it was like, amen, to be sitting in the back of a car whenever a song came on, and the Bible said, I will not complain. I remember the song, amen. I don't even remember who sang it, but he said, I will not complain. I've been through good times, and I've been through bad times, amen, and I wasn't saved at this time, amen, but but Sister Sharon, I believe it was Sister Cindy, they drug me to a Saturday night prayer meeting, amen, that I did not want to go to, praise the Lord, that I, I didn't even understand, 8 o'clock at night, you're going to a church to go to a prayer meeting, that didn't make sense to me, we ought to be going to the movies, or we ought to be going doing something else, amen, they said, oh no, 8 o'clock, we go to prayer meeting, and you're in our car with us, you go with us, or, or I think they would have made me walk, amen, so we went to that prayer meeting, and I will remember as hard, amen, and I was a hard-hearted person, I know I cry a lot when I preach, 
preach, amen, but that's because the Lord has changed me and he has softened me and he has wore down those calluses. Watch this. As a hardcore individual, and I'm not talking about mean or tough. I'm talking about hard, calloused, amen. I have seen things in my life and experienced things in my life that folks shouldn't, amen, ever have to go through. And I sat there on the back pew listening to music play and feeling the presence of God and hearing the saints of God. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And I remember hearing the saints of God talk in tongues and shed tears and cry out for their families and call out for their children, amen, and beg and plead and and petition God to hear their voice and answer their questions and touch their family and save their kids and heal their bodies and bring revival to their church. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, amen, I've sat there too long. I've felt the presence and the power of God and I know where I was and I know where I am now and I'm not where I ought to be but I know where I'm going. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I had somebody in my work one time. I pulled in Brother Buford and I backed into a spot because I had a pickup truck and that's what everybody else did. Or no, I didn't. I pulled in straight and everybody with their big pickup trucks would back in and I remember somebody came in and he knew that I was a Christian and he walked over to me and he goes, look out there in the parking lot. That's what's wrong with your life. And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, you're backwards. I said, no, I'm not backwards. I'm just going a different direction. Hallelujah. I'm not going the same direction that everybody else is going. Amen. You want to be negative and you don't want to live this life? Then pack your bags and go live another life. Hallelujah. I plan to stand on the power and the presence of God. I I plan to stand, amen, where it says these signs shall follow them that believe. If you want a disco church, if you want strobe lights, amen, and you want something that makes you feel good every Sunday, then pack your bags and go get it. Hallelujah. I'm going to stand here where God expects the walls to be built and the gates to be maintained. Hallelujah. And I'm going to stay, hallelujah, not because I'm scared of what's outside of there, but because I know, hallelujah, that if I'll stand on the foundation of the word of God, there's nothing that can bring me down, hallelujah. But you might die one day. Oh, yeah, I will. This mortal, hallelujah, is going to have to put on immortality. Hallelujah. And one day I will. And if I'm not healed then, this body, hallelujah, when I'm caught up in the air, hallelujah, I'm going to receive a new body. I'm going to receive, hallelujah, the old things, hallelujah, that that God has promised all of us, hallelujah. Praise God. I'm so sick and tired of folks that know nothing but know better. I'm just going to say it. Maybe this will be my last chance. I'm so sick and tired of folks that don't know the Lord and want to tell me what I'm doing is wrong. Let me tell you something. You get to hurting real good and bad. You get to struggling real good and dark. You get to battling stuff that folks don't overcome, amen. And you get the presence of God involved and you watch people's lives change in a moment. It does take time for some folks. I'm not saying it's always in an instant, but I have seen some nasty, low-down, dirty, scoundrel people changed in an altar call. I'm glad I got some amens on that one because some of y'all were some dirty, low-down scoundrels. Amen. I should have got a house full of amens. Thank you. Amen. Number six, fear. Fear is a result of listening to all the above number fives, one through five. Amen? 
2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Say power. And of love. Say love. And of a sound mind. Say a sound mind. Amen. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us. Say thank you, Jesus. And called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that feel good? Amen? The power of God. The proper and really only response to our enemy is this. I don't know if you're writing things down. I'm hurrying along, I promise. The proper and really only response to our enemy is these four things. Number one is three things. <laughs> Prayer, fasting, and stay in the word. Can I just say, when I, teach a, when I teach a personal Bible study, my wife knows this, and some of you have sat in my Bible studies. When I teach a, a Bible study, Brother Buford, I don't start with uh, search for truth. I don't, I don't start for, with any of the Bible studies. You know what my number one lesson is, and it's a lesson I put together, and I'm not, I'm not promoting this. I'm just saying it's, it's something I teach. My number one lesson is prayer. That's the first thing I teach somebody that I'm trying to either win or disciple. You know what my number two lesson is? The importance of the word of God. Prayer and the word of God. Those are my first two lessons. You know why? If they never show up to another Bible study, I teach. If I convince them to pray and read their Bible, they will find the truth. Oh, hallelujah. If you pray and you read your Bible, you don't need a teacher. I'm not saying, that, I'm not saying you don't need church. I'm not saying... I'm going to give you the disclaimer. I'm not saying don't come here. I'm saying when you are trying to find the Lord for the first time, if you're willing to get down on your knees and say, show me, and crack open the dusty pages of your Bible, he'll show you. Can I get an amen? amen. Prayer, fasting, and in the word, amen. That's the first thing that we got, the, our response to the enemy. Number two, we got to put our minds and our hearts into the work of God. Verse six says this, so built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind of work. Can I tell you this? Your number two response to the enemy is this. Put your whole heart into this thing. Amen. Don't just give a half effort. Don't just show up once in a while. Don't just think about it every now and then. Don't just think positive thinking about it. Amen. But put your heart and your mind into the work of God. All right. Number three. They and we must keep our eyes on our enemy and know his snares and devices. Never fall asleep at your post. Another W word. Watch. Don't just turn the news on or your source of information, amen, whatever it may be. Don't just turn that on and swallow it all whole. Can I get an amen? What you ought to be picking up in there is you ought to be discerning in the spirit, the spirit of the times that we live in. 
Don't watch them just for your political views, amen. Don't just try to pick up and try to try to get enough information to be right or win an argument. What you ought to be doing through the Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost is discerning the signs of the times. Know what your enemy is up to. Know where he is setting snares. Know where he is putting traps. Know what his devices are, amen. Watch and pray. Verse 14, and keep your mind focused on God. Verse 14, and I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles, I'm in chapter 4 of Nehemiah, said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not afraid of them, remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. Other interpretations would say, which is great and awesome. And fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Hallelujah. Get Focused on the Lord, hallelujah. And know that you're not just here, and I'm not against any of these things, but you're not just here to hit home runs or make a lot of money or get a bunch of degrees, hallelujah. But there's going to come a time where you're going to have to stay focused on the Lord and fight for your sons and your daughters and your wives and your husbands and your house, hallelujah. There's going to come a time where there's going to be a spiritual warfare and he's going to try and come and kick down your front door. I'm here to tell you, if the front door flies open, be ready with the weapons of the warfare, hallelujah, that are not carnal, praise God, but they're spiritual through the power and through the pulling down of strongholds, hallelujah, that we can bring down, amen, the prince of the power of the air, that we can come against, amen, and defend against the wiles of the devil, that we have that shield, amen, that will quench the fiery darts of the wicked, hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, be watching him, amen, but be focused on the Lord, amen, and know that there's going to come a time where you're going to have to take up your sword and fight. Amen? I want you to read with me and follow with me because this, amen, I felt like the Lord, amen, dropped on me, praise the Lord, in one of our services here recently. Amen? And I almost come up and read it, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to just wait, amen, and, and teach it at some point, and, I, and this was my opportunity. Nehemiah chapter 4, I want to begin with verse 13, and I'm going to read through the end of the chapter. Amen? And I want you to follow with me, and I want you to think, amen, about what I've been talking about, about revival, about restoration, amen, about callings, gifts, anointing, amen. I want you to think about all of the things I have said up until this point, amen, as we read this, as we read this. Nehemiah 4, verse 13. Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. And I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the leaders and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. He's talking about the enemy. But remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, every one to his work. Hallelujah. When you have that experience, when you have that victory, when we have that event, when we have those services, hallelujah, that's not the end of it. When, the, when it comes to an end and you walk away with the victory, you walk away victorious, hallelujah, it's time to get back to working on the wall. It's time to get back to work, hallelujah. Can I get an amen? 
Verse 16, so it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah, those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens, loaded themselves, amen, so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon, praise God. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Watch this. You got my title already and this is where it came from we are living in a day in an age in an hour amen not only as a church but as individuals where builders have got to be fighters and fighters have got to be willing to build we are done with specialized amen folks that say I'm just good at this there's going to come a time where amen you might be good at something else maybe you're anointed at something maybe you're called to do something else praise God but they realized that there was a job to be done that there was a cause to be fought for that there was an enemy that was coming, amen, but they didn't stop building, amen, and they knew they weren't going to stop fighting, so they they would strap themselves up on the scaffolds if you will, and they would have a sword strapped to their side and a hammer in their hand why? Because we're going to build and we're going to work, and we're going to stay busy about the kingdom of God, but when that enemy comes, amen, I'm going to have that blade sharpened so that when I draw it out, I'm going to lop his head off, and you know what? I may have to fight him while I'm driving a nail I may have to cut him down, hallelujah Something when he comes on the battlefield of my mind, I may have to cut that thought down, hallelujah, and just stay busy about the building of the wall, hallelujah. I want revival in my life, my personal life, hallelujah. I want revival every day. I want revival to course through the blood, amen, that pumps through the heart that God put in my chest, hallelujah. I don't want to be somebody that's lazy and lackadaisical and lethargic about my preparation and plan and and work for God, hallelujah. I want my, my life to be about building the wall, about bringing restoration, about preaching revival, about spreading the gospel, hallelujah. But I don't want to be so busy that I get distracted, hallelujah I want my defense to be ready I want my sword to be sharp I want my mind to be watching, hallelujah why? because I'm going to build, I'm going to restore I'm going to revive, I'm going to preach, hallelujah I'm going to reach, praise God but when the enemy comes in like a flood, hallelujah we've got to have a standard that will be raised against him, hallelujah we've got to have, amen, something prepared and ready in us to cut them down In this day and hour, we need builders that will fight and fighters that will build. Amen. Everybody willing to become. Amen. Verse 19. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Amen. We're all different, right? Some of us have some great distances between us. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. You know what he was saying? If, if Brother Keith and Brother Buford were over here working on this gap in the wall, and we notice that the enemy has somehow jumped through that crack in the wall, and they've snatched a hold of one of us or both of us, somebody, somebody shake the trumpeter, And when he blows that trumpet, everybody rally. Not everybody say, well, that's what they asked for. They got what they deserved. They shouldn't have been working so close to that crack. Amen? 
We do that sometimes, don't we? We go, well, so-and-so, they went out there, they asked for it. They got what they asked for. No, when we see somebody in trouble and somebody sounds the alarm, whatever that alarm is, rally. Everybody, rally and run and fight. Drop your hammer and run with your sword and cut down that enemy. I guarantee you this, I'm going to speak for myself. If I was getting in trouble, I want everybody to rally. Amen? If I'm weak, if I'm being brought down, if I'm stumbling, or if I'm just in trouble, I would hope that somebody would sound the alarm and everybody would rally. I'll leave that there. I'm almost done. I promise. It's not a lie. So we labored in the work, and half the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off their clothes, except everyone took them.